0: Continuing on from what we just started.
1: Um, that good. That was really good.
0: Morgan Housel. And the book is called The Psychology of Money. Is that right? Now, from what I understand yeah. of this guy, he's um, he was a journalist. or He, yeah. he worked in, in, in private equity and right. uh, hedge funds or something like that for a mm-hmm. bit. And then he became a journalist and just continued being a journalist and just taught, mm-hmm. writing about money. And the principle that he was talking about uh, was the difference between Being rich and being wealthy. In his interpretation, being rich is essentially the outward appearances of having lots of money, and being wealthy is really how much money you actually have. Or how he was—it's interesting. He was talking about this idea of um, agency, autonomy, and freedom. Mm. So it's less about what do I, how rich do I look is how free do I feel, mm. which is, I think, connected me to the whole money stories thing, because, of course, when you say money is freedom, then it has a whole load of connotations. But in his case, and this is quite interesting because it kind of um, it mirrors some of the stories that I've had from my dad about money, because for him, money is about making choices, so if I want to get a private dentist, I can go to a private dentist. If I have an accident and I and I need to get healthcare, I don't have to worry about going bankrupt. If I want to go on a holiday, I can choose to go on a holiday without second guessing. It's like I money gives me choice. Is one of that's the big story I got from my dad when I was thinking when he when he talked to me about money. Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, totally agree. You know, I, I kind of live my life to that. It's like I like this idea of having so much in the bank so that should the fit hit the share or should I want something, I have the money to choose to buy it. Um, hi, Crystal. I just saw your chat. there. Oh, Crystal's here. Well, Crystal knows a lot about money as well. Um, love to hear your thoughts. Actually, Crystal, if you want to join us and for a chat, please let us know. Just put it in the chat and we'd love to just bring you on board for a bit of a chit chat. Anyway, going on. This is great for podcasts. Uh, (laughs) Continuing on from that. So on one hand, and maybe this is my conditioning, I do see that if I've got X, hundreds, thousands, whatever much in the bank, that gives me choice in terms of I can buy services and products that I need to to do the things I want to do. And if I do it unconsciously, or if I'm not conscious of that link of the story to the money, then that might affect my decisions in a way that aren't necessarily beneficial
1: you reminded me of actually a lot of some of the good stuff that was in the book which is the thing around that this point around kind of what is rich or what is wealthy agency autonomy all of those all of those sorts of things because yeah that is a lot of what is 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 kind of very good uh, about the book for sure
0: well now you got me off on another tangent mm-hmm. because uh on one hand so the whole rich wealthy thing um He talks about that we gauge our worth based on comparison. Mm -hmm. We're really rubbish, objectively defining our own value as people. Mm -hmm. And so even if you have a million pounds in the bank, you'll be looking at someone who's got 10 million and thinking, oh, my God, I'm not like them. Or even if you've got 10 million, you think, I wish I had 100 million. And even if you've got 100 million, you'll say, I wish I was like Elon Musk. So there's always this comparison aspect to how you think about your own worth or value, which are then kind of, again, I'll link back to the Happy Pricing Course Mm -hmm. and this idea about how we price and the idea of anchors and relative differences, choice. Mm -hmm. In the book, he talks about how much agency, autonomy, freedom, choice that you can get when you have a certain amount of money in the bank. And so rather than spending money to show that you look good, Mm -hmm. investing, storing, keeping, whatever it is, but basically having wealth that will give you possibility and choice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then and this is where i was thinking back to it that's a story now because then the idea is that if i don't have money potentially i don't have choice if i don't have money i don't have freedom if i don't have money i don't have agency Mm -hmm. and so part of i think this conversation um is for me um where i'm at is like how do we Unattached some of these stories, or at least be aware Mm. of these connections of the stories to the money. And then, how do we, how does that, what does that mean in terms of the conversations we have with other people about Mm. price and and even just conversations about money and why that makes us feel uncomfortable?
1: Would it be helpful if um, I went sort of back just a a, a mini step and um, we just sort of shared some of the context behind our thinking for the planning of this? uh of this this podcast talking yep. about the sort of conversation so um a few weeks ago um some you know some listeners may know others may not know uh you guys have a start school, put on the excellent um summer camp weekend full of yep. talks and all those all those goodness and there was a lo- number of kind of workshops there crystal ran an excellent workshop there who's who's listening in live now uh, and uh so there were kind of workshops there on uh, money stories, there's workshops, we run workshops on pricing, many other things, of course, with that. Um, but one of the things that we noticed that is is kind of how kind of resonant the, the idea around money stories is for people. You know, it seems to really kind of... Um, I would say, kind of touch a nerve. Maybe that is the point. It actually kind of touches a nerve for people. It triggers something in people. It's kind of curious for people, and you know, so we, we assume the kind of interest and intent behind exploring that is a positive one, and that probably reflects a lot of, you know, typically who is in the community who comes to the red spheres. There is a there is a curiosity about inquiry. There is a a kind of willingness and desire to to kind of look inside and go deeper, and in service of kind of understanding. Well, if I look inside and go deeper. How that will kind of shape and affect the work that I do and, and the relationship between those things. So on the one hand, we were uh, kind of looking at that about how people kind of responded. Then, like I said, to Crystal's excellent workshop, to another Charles Dav- Davis also ran excellent workshop on these things, and people were really sort of drawn to it. So on the one hand, looking at that. In addition to that, actually, just in the in the few days kind of after summer camp, I was in a situation where I was negotiating with with a client. And, uh, you know, I've kind of worked on these things, thought about these things, studied these things for 20, 30 years, both in terms of kind of running my old business and all the, the kind of work I do now. So even with all of that, I've kind of caught myself, found myself in a situation where I was negotiating with a new client. And actually kind of sort of caught sight of a lot of these, some of these kind of sort of money stories, some of these kind of the fears, the worries, the feelings, you know, the because kind of, one of the stories I always kind of hung on to was this idea that money was security, which kind of is a different sort of flip on what you were sort of talking about. One of the stories you got from your dad, money is kind of freedom. For me, money is security. And so, again, the same thing that comes up, if you don't have money, then the, the kind of the story is or the extrapolation is you don't have security. And so the thing that I kind of noticed, this was just in a single kind of one-to-one negotiation with a prospective client, there's nothing really life-changing hanging on the line here. But even there, kind of bubbling away under the surface, is this kind of worry, this kind of real kind of deep-lying deep, deep kind of uh, old story. And like I said, even with kind of not to work, is, is kind of prone to kind of bubble up. And so I think one of the things that we were sort of really curious about, particularly you know, partly around... The work that we do on kind of happy pricing, and partly about the work that everybody, all the kind of listeners, all the community do all the time in how they kind of sort of sell their work, how they engage with prospective clients. In a sense, the kind of well, the kind of reminder I had a little bit was that you know if you really want to positively affect your kind of pricing, if you really want to do all of the things that lots of people do want to do, which is why they kind of work with us. Essentially, how do you remove the guesswork from your pricing? How do you start to kind of price and earn your earn your worth? Actually, you can't really do that in a sort of consistently sticky, positively sticky way if you are not also actually starting to kind of look inside. So you are a bit more aware of what those stories are, what those triggers might be. You know, that actually does create a kind of a, a, a more fertile ground for you to be ha- able to have kind of positive conversations. Because the other thing, you know, comes up a lot on the course and, and the work that we do kind of beyond that, ultimately, of course, people need to get comfortable talking about money. Uh, And, you know, in a way, we can't really be comfortable talking about money if actually we're sort of running a bit scared from the emotional triggers that pop up when we do. So it's kind of more, I think, a realisation, a reflection that came on the back of those various things. That actually, yes, all the tools and tactics in the world, actually, yes, they're useful. Yes, they're good. But actually, if you have those things without the complementary kind of awareness and inquiry, understanding money stories, then you're never going to be in a situation where you are kind of more comfortable being able to sort of talk about money. And if you can't talk about money, the other two things equally don't work in isolation. Yet. So that was really kind of what was starting to kind of bubble up and sort of inform this conversation today.
0: So you said you were having conversations with a prospective client and, and you saw, um, or you experienced some discomfort, mm. I assume is what happened were you able just for the uh to illustrate and bring it bring that point a bit home to to anyone listening is like were you able to identify the source of that discomfort or was you know was it a particular story or was just just a general discomfort
1: so i i think for um for me i think there were a few things the the discomfort was kind of rooted in a few things some of which are kind of linked to money some which are not linked to money but you know they all kind of they all kind of sort of swirl together in one sort of Happy sort of cocktail of discomfort. Uh, And so, on the one hand, uh, there is a kind of discomfort, a kind of realization that when I'm actually, in some situation when I'm talking kind of one to one with a prospective client, you know, that trying to kind of hold steady the idea that whether they choose me or not is not some sort of indictment on me. Uh, So, there's kind of discomfort around am I being chosen? Am I being rejected? Am I good? Am I bad? Essentially kind of rumbling around and that. So there's that sort of going on that sort of kind of, you know, sort of twirls together, kind of fuses together a little bit with a more kind of money specific thing, which is like one of the stories I always kind of had growing up in the same way is that this idea that, that money was security. And so like this sort of manifests for me in a, uh, like when I was running the company, that we always had these real big cash reserves. And that was partly because, you know, you know, we can sort of talk about the importance of, you know, how, you know, how much you should have and all those things is, is a sort of separate conversation. But because money was linked to uh, this, uh, this story of security, I felt more comfortable the more cash reserves we had. Now, like I said, there is some value in that, but up to, up to a point and I, you know, so that is a, a sort of separate conversation. But yeah, so for me, given this kind of money is security story, I was in a situation where, you know, partly so the kind of those underlying doubts: are they going to choose me? Are they not going to choose me? Do they like me? Do they not like me? Am I good? Am I bad? Am I being rejected? All of those sorts of things. And um, that kind of fuses together there with the kind of money security thing, kind of, which affected how, how hard I was willing or how willing I was to hold a line on what I knew the, the work was actually worth them so it all kind of sort of fused together and i think the sort of discomfort really was around those two kind of sort of ugly beasts
0: that's that's great because now the way i'd hook into that for me as well um i i have a similar kind of experience of like oh if they reject me or reject this offer are they rejecting me Mm -hmm. is is it saying something about me and so for me there's a there is a, a a fear of rejection there's a fear of um not even uh there's this also this fear of what they, what's going through their minds. How are they thinking about me? You know, what is it, that, the, the judgments they're making? So there's a fear of judgment. And then also with the security thing, I have a similar association with money and security and my projection onto them. Mm-hmm. So if I have a belief that they have only a certain amount of money, I have no idea. I don't know their bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And I believe if they spend that, you know, quite a substantial chunk of money with me, I'm potentially taking away from their security... And I couple that with another belief about I want to be fair or I don't want to take advantage of people or whatever that story is. Again, fear of rejection, fear of being judged. Then it starts to get into some really messy cocktail of bleh. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, I've done all the tactics and strategies. I know that this is a good price. And because they're resisting slightly, I'm starting to project my stories and beliefs onto them. And coupled with that, this thing that, oh, because I'm taking away the security, they're going to hate me because I'm taking away the... Crystal is ready to have a chat with us. So I'm going to see if she has any reflections. Yeah, exactly. Let's see if Crystal can fix us. So before we get into the weeds, um, please share uh, a bit about what you do. And also, could you share also what you did at Summer Camp for us so that people have some real context around the money conversations?
2: Yeah. Um, Okay. So my background is... I'm a trust accountant, and I, about six years ago, connected finance to psychology and dived deeper into behavioural science, psychology, behind your financial decision-making. Uh, so my expertise lies in understanding psychology behind you, what you do. So it can be applied to healthcare, consumer behaviour, etc. But my thing is, is finance. Uh, so I work with people one-on-one and in group settings to help them understand their relationship with money fundamentally. Um, And I heard you guys talking, there are so many different things that go into it. And I also do some work with corporates as well, along the same lines. Um, And in terms of summer camp, which was amazing, first time. And those who haven't gone, you have to go next year. I will be there next year, in case I haven't said Carlos. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we worked on values and we did lots of exploring and understanding of what money meant for them. And, you know, a lot of the people in the group were talking about wanting to earn more money, but either feeling uncomfortable about it, like you said, Ben, actually, or not knowing how to go about it and feeling like it was unjustified. Like, okay, can I do this? Is Am I allowed to? And, uh, you know, I got them to focus back in terms of what is it you want from your life? Why are you doing this? And making that connection so they can start seeing, okay, I want this life. This is going to make me happier. So... And even in terms of them delivering their service or product, you know, for good, you know, good causes, they need to be in a certain place to be able to do that. And if you're not fulfilling your needs and working in line with your values, that's going to be hindered. So it was really great, and I think you know they gave great feedback. So I think they enjoyed it as well. That's
0: brilliant, and it's fascinating. And what what what's now happened is. I thought we were converging on something, and now I feel like, ah, there's so much other stuff I want to talk (laughs) about. I know. (laughs) This is great, which is great, because I think there's a deeper level here. There's one way is this idea about talking about money and the conversations we have, and I'm really curious to get your perspective on this and and the discomfort we feel, and we just talked about projections, so your your whole background in psychology would be interesting to get any thoughts and ideas you have around that. And then the other aspect of this is you talked about, um, well, what I heard anyway was uh, something about value. Am I allowed, it sounds like, am I allowed to charge this or something like that? Am I allowed to accept this money? But also underneath that, I'm also hearing, I'm also kind of connecting. Am I allowed to do this type of work? Am I allowed to be an entrepreneur? Am I allowed to work a four-day work week, a three-day work week, a coach who only works 10 hours a month while other people are working 40 hours you know, a week?
2: OK, so let me try at the beginning where you started talking about money and projections. And I think, yeah, I was on a IG Live just yesterday and we spoke about the conversation of money itself. And for many, it's still so deeply uncomfortable. And I didn't quite catch. I think I might have missed you guys talking about it earlier. And, you know, even if we go back to the home and what was normal at home, you know, in those early years of life, that's where... So much is embedded within us and carried throughout our lives, even if we don't realize it. So if you've been raised in a society or your peers and talking about money is so uncomfortable, or we know that, I think you mentioned this actually, how we compare ourselves to others is like the crux of us as human beings, right? So if we are acting, behaving, spending, buying certain things, living in a certain area to signal to our peers that I, I deserve to be in this community, then talking about the truths of your finances may make that be questioned. So that could also be a fear. And that makes talking about money uncomfortable because then you're potentially exposing that, actually, I had to work really hard to get this thing to be like you, which sounds is, is really kind of stripped right back. We don't think that way actively, not at all. Um, so I think that's one area about talking about money that makes it really uncomfortable. And the other side of that as well, I, I like to say all the time, we weren't taught about money. So for a lot of us, we don't know about money. We don't know how to do it, and that's okay. And I think a lot of people are thinking that because they don't know what to do with money, then they are they're embarrassed. They're, they're you know they're ashamed. They feel silly. I don't even like repeating these words, but they, you know, they feel stupid and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, I still literally physical discomfort when people say that because it's not true. You just haven't been taught what you need to know to go and thrive financially. Um, so I think they are the two main things for me that make talking about money really uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah really kind of identify with the, this this thing that the stories are so kind of baked in, and uh, you know, so I, I was obviously kind of conscious of some of my own sort of stories from. Uh, from growing up but then as you were sort of talking I was then also thinking about my children and so even being conscious of my own stories really curious what stories they're picking up do you know what I mean and of course because you know we this in a way there's no point in sort of sweating about these things because the story they'll get the story that they get essentially um and it but it's kind of really it is a really kind of curious thing what is going on what is that sort of source material for you because it will kind of pop up and manifest and cloud and lens and shape and all of those things. So much of these conversations, so much of the ideas that we have uh, about whether we can do it, whether we don't, whether we need it, whether we don't need it, you know, whether we pull it, whether we push it, all of these things. It's such an emotionally charged um, thing for something which is created out of nothing.
0: What I hooked onto there, which connects to the conversation I was hearing from this author, Morgan Housel, because you talked about tribe and the sense of belonging mm. and this, the, out, the signals we put out there or the outward appearances we create in order to create that sense of belonging. And so, you know, I, there's a few people down my road who have like four by fours, Range Rovers, Land Rovers. Um, and so the, on one hand, it's like, oh, wow, you know, they can afford that. But I don't know if they can. Mm. Maybe what they have is like a massive debt in order to pay off that car uh maybe they're renting the house and they don't even own that and i'm comparing my inward knowledge to their outward appearance because and i and i said oh if i want to be in this place i need to look like that and so there's a question here it's interesting here for me about authenticity how can we through money turn up authentically so just because i don't have a brand name on my clothes or a particular type of car or live in a particular neighborhood i do i not belong Mm-hmm. Or even like, how do I remove, and this is the interesting thing I feel about my our community, you know, even at summer camp, it's like, we have people from all walks of life, but they just feel like they're the same kind of people. And then I go to places like in, you know, back home in London, and there's a bit part of the areas that are very well to do, and the are areas that aren't so well to do. And you feel like an intruder sometimes if you go to certain areas. And so there's a there's real sense of like, I need money in order to fit in mm-hmm. aspect. Well, I think that's where I'm getting to and how how that starts to mix into our conversations around money because it's so tied to our status in society. Mm. Is that
2: fair? Yeah, it's interesting because my brain just went somewhere in collecting these thoughts. There's so many here. Okay, so yeah, what stuck out to me there is the assumption that we're making Yes, I think that's a really key point because we see people buying all these amazing things and I'm sure you guys work with people and really dig into their finances and see you know, where they are really. And a lot of us, or a lot of people are portraying a certain thing, but actually underneath that, they're struggling to maintain that. And, and fine, fair enough. And then the assumptions we're making off the back of looking at those people. And I think it's really interesting that you say we need money to fit in because I think that's off the basis of fitting into a society or a community that is doing that. So signaling to their their peers that, look, I've got this, we match on this. Whereas actually there are people who are a bit deeper and value the connection, the relationship with the community for other things, not just how much, you know, how rich or how expensive your jumper is. But I think that requires a vulnerability and you being open about that fact. And also, you know, Self-confidence in you and your value as just a human being without the, the surface stuff, without the, you know, six, seven, whatever figure business, just you being valuable alone, which I think is a for many a hard task. When I talk to people about this topic, for those who are quite new to it, I think the simple task of questioning what you believe can be really quite eye-opening. I think even the phrase just, you know, just knowing that just because you believe it doesn't mean it's true. I think can be quite profound for a lot of people. And if you're at the right, you know, right at the beginning of your journey, that I think is a, is a great starting point. And doing that as a regular ongoing thing, because we constantly make decisions and do things based off of our beliefs. And it's good to challenge that.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, a couple of quick things. One, uh, I really enjoy everything you've, what you were kind of reminding about this, this thing around, the, the point around, you know, kind of purchasing, owning things as a signal, our constant kind of quest to signal, which might be about accumulation might be about money might be the things that we have but that actually the the bigger question is you know which communities do I want to be part of actually and are these communities that require those messages the communities actually I want to where I want to spend time or by contrast like you talk about Carlos we we started by talking about summer camp and as you just sort of said there actually everything about summer camp is the you know the antithesis of that in the sense of the signals that people are sending are not those kind of signals. So there is there is a kind of connecting with people on a completely different level there. And so the, the importance of that, and I really like your, your question there, Crystal, you know, you know what, what is it that you kind of believe? And, you know, as a kind of journey to just being who you are, because, you know, and coming back to that place or growing back into that place, of course, is the place of security, is the place of safety so all of those ideas money is freedom money is security actually is just in lieu of that because actually freedom security creativity all of those things is is actually here it's not there and so the journey is getting back here in a sense
0: the thought that's sticking out is like when you were chris you're talking about um something about the assumptions we make about people because of their outward appearance and so on one hand because they have a lovely car and a house and nice clothes we might ex- assume that they have a lot of money and i'd say the flip of that as well just because someone looks like they're not rich or doesn't have enough money to spend with you don't assume that they don't yeah <laughs> you know, have a conversation <laughs> talk is like suddenly if you just say oh they the you make these you know, un you know, biased assumptions and so i i can't charge a certain amount of money for them because i don't they look like they don't they won't afford it to if we're going to remove assumptions about how rich someone is you've got to remove assumptions about how poor someone is and you've got to learn how to have a conversation with them that feels like a mature conversation around money which I, i would be i'd like to dig into that what does that mean to have a mature conversation around money uh particularly with potential clients and what does that mean in terms of getting to people just saying numbers of some description if possible thank you very much both of you thank you everyone who's listening thank you cecile for uh, recommending a book by richard schwartz it looks like no bad parts until next time thank you very much you take care have a good rest of the day bye bye